Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Welcome to another episode of Light the Fight, and we're all here. Brandon's here physically. We'll, we'll see if he's here mentally. We'll we'll see how that goes. Now we're all here. <laughs> Heidi's back from her uh, vacation, girls' camp, and I don't know a lot of. Nobody things, should of, be yeah. gone. Nobody should like. It has been a crazy, a long month <laughs> or something. In fact, I wore my my new t shirt. This is a new. Heidi Swap t-shirt. It says Blur's Day. Blur's Day. Okay, explain. Because, you know, when you come back home, you're like, what day is it? And mm, it's like, it that's was, a good that's one. Blur's that's Day. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, I let her, I, I, I let her, I let her fans and everybody know, that, especially the ones that been around a long time, it's like, this month of July is usually the month where it's like, Heidi needs to get away. Like, this just, you got to get away. Like, there's just only so much you can do staring at the same Towels on the floor at your house, <laughs> or the same work that has to get done. You know, oh. July is definitely a good a good month to switch it up for you. Well, usually, what the ideal would be that like we would be gone for over Corey's death day, which is the ninth and the tenth. Yeah. It kind of it's Blends kind of a double it. double up. But Connor's birthday is the seventh, yeah. and so. You got the fourth, you know, you've got like all of these things happening and it's like this massive hurtling of emotions. And, you know, one of the things we've talked about before is that the way that I deal with emotions is to. Chalk art. Be really. Glitter. Well, busy, busy, oh, yeah, busy. Okay. Like, well, yeah. I was close. Yes. I was and, close. <laughs> and so, okay. So this, this time I was like, okay, I had been so busy and so crazy but I was like blocking out time to do chakra. And I had it like planned out. However, I don't know if any of you guys have ever like been in charge of girls camp. So here's what was happening. I have not. No, you have not. <laughs> so you don't even have any clue no what clue. I've been going through. No clue. <laughs> but what happened was we were easing in to girls camp was starting on the 12th, which was actually a Monday. And here's the thing. No, I should never have anything happening on a Monday. I need Mondays. Mondays are an important like springboard day. So we were coming in. It was going to be Col Connor's birthday, 4th of July. Energy, let's have fun. Let's make sure that everything is perfect and festive and fabulous, right? And then Connor's birthday, oh my gosh, we're going to just have so much fun. I have no idea what you want. Make it feel special for him so it's not Let's connected be, yes, to the Yes, be so special, yeah. so fun. You don't want him to be sad on And birthday. then we just slide right into Corey's death day, of which I didn't have any of my stuff done for camp. Like, my responsibilities, not a single one ticked off the list. So is that called unprepared, or you just couldn't fit it all in? I just, I kind of thought there was another week. Mm. Like I, I genuinely, it, like I, on my calendar, there was. Everybody else's calendar didn't have that extra week. I don't know what was happening. So I 
I like woke up in the morning. I thought, okay, if I spend this entire day doing chalk art, which is what I want to do, which is what will soothe, for whatever reason, will soothe my soul. My hamstrings will hurt. My entire body will hurt. I will be even more behind, even more stressed, probably angry. And so I, we went to the cemetery. I don't know if you saw it because I know you're not on social media. No, I actually didn't see it. But this time Capri came up with the concept for our, you know, we always do like a grave marker, a wooden grave marker. Yeah. Capri came up with the concept because every time we go, it's usually sunset. And if you live around here, Corey's buried at the Larkin Gardens. It's up on like 100 and... East Bench. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Like 106 and 117 degrees. Yep. That's the one. <laughs> Brandon said it. And so where we are, it's just a beautiful sunset kind of off the edge of the cemetery because it drops into this gully and it's a beautiful sunset. And so Capri was like, what if we had like a cutout in the grave so the sunset shone through? Because I was like, I've done every iteration of every wolf. We got to start. Get so we were going for like maybe like a wave or a sunset or something yeah. like that. That Corey also just, yeah, you know, left. Of course. So we, so Capri had this cool vision. Colton and I designed it. Eric cut it out. I put about 90 layers of spray paint trying to get it to look like a sunset. And by the time I changed my mind about, are we going to go tonight? Or are we going to go tomorrow night? Or what time are we going to go? And so we barely got there at sunset. And I kid you not, the 90 coats of spray paint matched the sunset so Exactly. And um, you could see it. So you could see the sunset like through the grave sign. Um, and it looked pretty awesome. That is awesome. When you said 90s, it sounds like 80 wouldn't have been enough. No. Have been too much. No, because it was like, right. well, first of all, I did like, I did like the spray paint, like faded all these colors. And Eric was like, it's way too girly. You got to get the tur turquoise off the top. Like, and I, and then I was mad. I was like, you're so you're saying here? Colton shaking his head from heaven saying, no, no, no. <laughs> you're you're going to come in here? You're going to tell me the last that minute. this doesn't look good? And and so then I was like, then I was like, oh. So I got mad at him, but then I like had, I was too scared. Then obscure. you start questioning yourself. Maybe he's right. So then I had to redo the whole thing. Anyway. Don't tell him he might have been right because <laughs> you don't want to give your husband, trust me. Tell my wife, don't ever tell me I'm right because then so, I'll have unrealistic expectations. I spent... The two days of Corey's, these Corey death days, which are usually, we try to do something fun. I spent them working on girls camp. Yeah. And I, I did have to have like a little heart to heart with Corey and say, I would so much rather be doing this and this, but I put this off, I did this, and now <laughs> I only have this many days and... Like, and can so, you please forgive me? <laughs> and it, hopefully you love it. The and same so time. it was it was hard, but also like I had a responsibility, you know. So I I felt I'm kind of feeling bitter. I was kind of feeling disconnected, um, but I did what I had to do, and sometimes that's what you have to do. 
That's right. Well, it sounds like you pulled it off. So, hey, you know. I did. At the end of the day, if you made so it the, look beautiful. So, the marker looked beautiful. Nobody, nobody, when they look at the marker, nobody says, that looks like a lot of self-doubt in that marker. <laughs> no, <probably. laughs> like, no one sees that. That's that's just between your ears, you know. So, I'm sure everybody else is off to the, go check it out. Yeah. And then we. I'll get on my dog's Instagram page and, and, and go look at it. And, you know, we yeah. ate some chips yeah. and salsa and it was all. It was all good. all good. Yeah. So, you know, it is interesting um, juggling. Well, so I had so many things going on that when I finally got to girls camp and like all of my boxes were checked and I got there and then I kind of like it, it kind of comes down it kind of came down and at this girls camp we really wanted to talk to we really wanted to build up the girls self-esteem we wanted to talk about their we wanted to talk about body image and how it just doesn't affect your worth yeah you know like so so we were focusing on that we were focusing on their own personal relationship to heavenly parents and then we were talking about friendships how to make friends how to make boyfriends how to have healthy relationships. you can make boyfriends that like an easy bake oven well you know that i guess that probably didn't come out really great no <laughs> but you're not here right hey i'm 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 an unofficial unemployed comedian so. <laughs> but no we i mean the the woman who came her name um is Kristen, and she is a dating coach and she talked about, like, she talked about texting, you know, and she talked about the roles and responsibilities of friends and boyfriends and girlfriends. And she talked about what to expect out of your friends and your boyfriends. And, um, and there's a few things that stood out to you that she said that you realized that you could check a couple of the boxes, just not all. Well, so here, here was the thing. Okay. So she was coming up in the morning and it was like a two and a half hour drive where we were and she was supposed to be there at eight her class was at nine fifteen, and um she wasn't coming and so the camp director says you mean she just ghosted you what do you mean she wasn't well coming? so she didn't get there at eight she oh, get there at eight fifteen. Oh, okay so she was coming she, she was gonna come she moment. was gonna oh, have okay, breakfast okay. with us okay, you know and so then mickey's like all right heidi you're plan b so, and I was like, okay, I got like the fight stuff I can come up with. And so I had this 20 minute window yeah. where she hadn't come and I started being like, oh, she's serious. And I, so I was like writing my list of what I was going to talk about. And I was like, I'm going to talk about going first. I'm going to talk about statements and not questions. I'm going to talk about how this is how your parent, when your parents say this, this is what's really going on and kind of yeah. like give, I was thinking maybe I would kind of talk about being friends with your parents and how they're a really good person to friend. So she shows up, right? And she'd been like sitting at, at the, this woman who was going to talk to us was sitting at like the amphitheater that was on the other side of the camp. So we, and there's no signal. So yeah. like, how did, how did people do this before there was cell phones? Impossible. Right. Crows. So she she comes and I was really relieved. Like, okay. 
But what I didn't know is how much her talk was going to affect me. And so, I mean, I you know, I've got a lot of friends. I didn't think I really needed this talk about friendship. No, it's all for the girls, right? right? Not for you. So none of this is for the leaders. None of it. All of it is for these young women who are just, you know, so needing mm. our wisdom. Right? <laughs> anyway, so here's what, she, here, here's what struck me. She said, and, and we broke these groups up. So you had like 11 and 12-year-olds. I mean, these are like sixth graders and seventh graders. Yeah. And then eighth and ninth graders, girls, and then high school girls. So, so sixth going to seventh, seventh going to eighth, eighth going to ninth. Yeah. Is, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she talked to every one of them a little bit differently. So the oldest girl, she's kind of talking about boys and interactions with boys. And I loved her like messaging about texting. She's like, if he, if you send, if he sends a message and you send 10 messages and he only sends one message back, your teeter-totter is not teetering. So, you know, so she's kind of talking. And I was like, sometimes I really blast Eric with a lot of text messages. But I don't think she was giving marriage <laughs> advice in that well, the, 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 How do you do uh, advice? Our text messaging might not be teetering either. Anyway, okay. it might be teetering. It might not be teeter-tottering. Yeah. Anyway. Different topic. But so here's what she said. She said, you want to look for three um, characteristics in somebody you want to be friends with or a boyfriend, right? She said empathy, self-control, and personal responsibility. And then she defined as, every time she just defined self-control as like doing what you say you're going to do, showing up when you say you're going to show up, um, doing things even though they're not fun because, you know, it's right and it's yeah. expected of you, you know. And, and I thought I should probably talk to my kids more about these, ha having these characteristics. Yeah. You know, this is a good conversation, right? Yeah. And then she said, if you have somebody in your life that has these three characteristics, you have a responsibility of your own now yeah. to be on the other side. And she said, your responsibility is to honestly share your feelings, your needs, and your opinions. And this is where I was like, hmm. I, it is hard for me to tell people what I need from them. I like it when they guess, right? Who and doesn't? they show up and do what and do what I need. Those are easy friendships. I really appreciate it. But even with the more she talked, I was like, oh, maybe this, <laughs> this is my problem. <laughs> maybe I don't want to burden people with my needs. Or I don't want to inconvenience anybody. I don't want them to feel uncomfortable knowing what I need or how I feel. Or maybe sometimes you don't really want to be that vulnerable. Well, I thought I was vulnerable. Well, there's there's levels to that, well, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. I thought that I was like such a good communicator until I start. And, and then that is all I thought about for like the next 10 days yeah. is how bad I am at telling people what I need and how uncomfortable I am being needy and how then resentful I get 
when I do things for other people, maybe it's people in my family, maybe it's friendships, maybe it's family members, extended family members, maybe it's my parents. And I'm doing all these things because they're telling me what they need and I'm showing up for them, but they're not showing up for me. And all of a sudden I was like, hmm, <laughs> maybe it's because they don't know. So I had like this massive <laughs> light bulb moment. Came home, had this big long talk with several of the people that I'm clearly not sharing my needs with. <laughs> so did any of them argue, no, Heidi, you never do that? Or was it pretty much a, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a given, you know? Right. They just thought, yeah, it's really nice because you never ask us to do anything for you. <laughs> well, you know, sharing needs and also, you know, th there's a couple different things with that. It's like, there's a lot of things that are happening or could be happening, right? One of it may be you're not used to that role simply because you're the oldest daughter in your family, right? And so you're always the one that, okay, Heidi, take care of your little brothers and sisters. Heidi, do this. It's like, okay, what do you need? What's it? Communicate. Tell me this. Tell me that. Because, you know, that's just the role of, uh, that you had in the family system growing up. Um, so some of it just can be like that's what you're comfortable and used to, right? You're not used to being the youngest child always being cared for. Well, the youngest child isn't necessarily going to have as much practice of, hmm, what is everybody in my family going through that I could help out and relieve their burden? Because usually the youngest, youngest child is so much younger, they don't really know how to think of people's thoughts, feelings, and emotions in that way. They're usually just thinking like, wow, people give me what I need when I ask for it. So I get good at asking for it. Sometimes I just act like a comedian just because they need comic relief, right? They you know, talked about, you know, your son that way so there's a lot of things that's just like you're not used to that role another thing is when i talked about the vulnerability yeah you're really great at being vulnerable just like for me i'd say i'm really good at my ability of being vulnerable to help other people be vulnerable back okay yeah i think good, you might have just i'm not as good at being vulnerable to let people know i'm unsure I don't know how to deal with this and I'm scared and I'm worried. That's not the type of vulnerability. A listening, because you know, you, you do something kind for someone, increases the chances like, oh, you know, I should think of, I should do something kind for you know them back, right? You help someone like, wow, they helped me, so I'm gonna listen to them. So I'm really good at using vulnerability as, as a tool to get people to listen to me, to have influence over people. And I'm just being totally honest right now. But I'm not good at being vulnerable like Brandon, you know, people that like have to work with me and stuff like that. I'm not really good at just like sitting there and talking about my feelings deeply. In fact, in that way, I look like the men that I counsel. Like, oh, I'm fine, no big problem. Like, I'm not good at being vulnerable unless I think my vulnerability is gonna help draw someone out to be more vulnerable. And so as you say that, I can I could see I can see that. That's why I think when you said like, but I'm really good at being vulnerable. Well, you know, but so there's levels to that. I too, think that you know? I'm afraid that if I say I really need help with this, but please don't do it like that. It it, it can only be done. Well, except like, that's not the role. So the role <laughs> that you used to be doing is like, I'm going to help people. I'm going to use my superpower of mind reading because everybody has the ability to read minds. It's not always accurate, right? <laughs> but you've exercised that, like being the oldest daughter, you know, being a mom and having kids. You've exercised that role and you've played the role so much of like, that'd be like someone that's used to playing, you know, a doctor in, in soap operas, 
right? And then you give them like a real role where they have to be like, you know, some murder mystery role, whatever they have to play, not just like Dr. Drake Ramore, you know, from <laughs> Friends, right? All your friends listening out there. But you give them a different role. It's like, they don't know how to play that role. Like that's not a role. They haven't been in that role for a long period of time. So what do they do? I'll just do more other things to help other people be vulnerable to me so I know how to better help them. Problem is, is a lot of people that aren't playing your role on the other side of it, they're they're used to, like, for example, you giving vulnerability to them. It makes them feel more comfortable around you. It's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. You've helped me. Not realizing that you need the help reciprocated back to you because looking like you're too strong and looking like, and I'm not saying that everyone that knows you thinks you have every everything put together, but when someone's very brave, like very conf- confident and very assertive, that can be misinterpreted as that person doesn't need to be vulnerable because they've figured it out. Like they, they already have all those, they, they've tightened everything up really close. So now they're at a, a, an extended version of humanity where, not humanity, but being a person where now they're just helping other people to get to where they're at. Not knowing that that person often comes down to a level of vulnerability. They just don't know if they could do it that and allow people and trust that someone's going to help them the way they help other people. And that's your lack of trust. Not, not that you don't trust the person that they could accept your vulnerability, but trusting that they will be as keen to understanding what you know, that they will be as keen to understanding how to help you as you are as keen to understanding how to help them. But again, if they're not used to playing that role, they're not going to get reps. If they don't get reps, they're not going to get good at it. If you don't give them the opportunity to help and serve you and being vulnerable to them without just trying to like get them to be vulnerable to you, then you're going to really find that they're not going to get better at it either. They're not going to get better at the other side of it. Well, and as I was kind of like zooming out and looking at my kids and their friendships, yeah. I can see that my lack of modeling that behavior is replicating in them mm-hmm. because I'm, we're not teaching that mm-hmm. part. And so... You know, I was listening back to one of our earlier episodes um, and we were talking and it was a modeling, talking about modeling and, and, and you were, you were kind of joking with me. We were kind of joking back and forth and I was like, you have to have a problem in order to have a solution or, or how are you ever going to have, how are you ever going to have the solutions? And you were saying, well, you could actually model the solution. and I was like oh yeah I guess you could but I realized that the way that I have behaved in my friendships in in my relationships is how my kids do it and so they're bumping into some of the same problems that I'm feeling in some of my relationships well and you hit it kind of on the head I think you hinted for a second it's it's scary to be vulnerable for yourself that's the differentiation right. between I can be vulnerable to get other people to be vulnerable back to me all day long, every day. I'll cry with them, this and that. But the end game is I know that in order for them to get to the next level, I've got to model for them how to be vulnerable. So I got to do it. The problem is, is I'm their counselor. They're not my counselor. Right. So now in my own personal relationships, I don't go to my wife. I don't go to her and say, well, here's how my day went. And I've struggled with this. I show that back and forth. She usually hears about it twice a year. (laughs) I'll break down crying. She'll realize that she pushed me way too far, expected way too much of me. That's usually a typical thing. 
not knowing that it's like, oh, I didn't know that like that was bothering you. You've never said anything. And it was really hard for me to have a good defense because I'm like, but that's not my job to complain about. You're just supposed to pick up on it. That's not her thing. That's not her role. Like she's worried about picking up what the kids got going on. She's not trying to pick up what's going on with me. Right. Now in this past year, because we really made an effort to do that, I've gotten better at that, but she's gotten way better at noticing if I need to talk or not. And then she'll ask me and I'm like, okay, I'm willing to do it now. But the fact that she picks up on it is my cue to be like, okay, now it's my turn. And so is that the this empathy part of the That's equation? That's the empathy part. That's the empathy part. Because when you have empathy, for example, like when my wife has empathy for me, that means she's already heard some things from me that expressed to her that I'm struggling. She's starting to notice She's starting to notice behaviors. I'm struggling in something. And so if she turns that empathy towards me, then that's my sign that it's not going to be too much for her. And that's what a lot of people struggle with. Some people are really good at being cared for and some people are really good at caring, but they're not good at the other one because they just don't have plenty, they don't have a lot of time doing it. You know, you can't be the caregiver and the person's being cared for. You can't be the doctor and the cancer patient, you know, using mm -hmm. obviously a harsh metaphor, but like it just doesn't work that way. So for someone like you, it's you got to be vulnerable in the sense of letting people know that you have some needs. For someone on the other end that's used to being taken care of, their vulnerability is extending themselves to ask if other people are okay that have been there to care for them. Right. That'd be the the youngest child going to the older sibling saying, hey, I know I've been annoying and stuff like that. I just really want your attention. And, you know, to make up for it, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. And like to make up for it, I'd really like to help you out with uh, I'll do your chores or something like that. You know, like, I'll help you out in some sort of way. And when I've worked with families and when they start to communicate like that, they start to see, OK, you have a blind spot. I have a blind spot. But me telling you that you need to do something or you telling me that I'm not doing something, that doesn't help our relationship. You've got to actually do the thing that you're most uncomfortable with, which is being vulnerable. And then other people go, okay, well, that was hard for her. Well, normally I wouldn't really care to, I'm not being hard on your kids, but normally they may not care to like ask mom how she's doing, some of them, or to check in on you. But if you shared that you're vulnerable versus just venting, versus just letting like the cup spill over and they go, mom's in a bad place. Mom's in a bad place. It's like, we need to separate ourselves from mom. But in reality, you really need them to come closer, touch you on the back of the arm, give you a hug to kind of relieve a lot of that tension. And that's the, I mean, that's, that's the superpower in the kryptonite we always talk about. You yeah. Know? And it's interesting. I think that what you, what you need and what somebody can give you might be two different things. Yeah. Right. And so I don't need for someone to come in and do my work for me, even though when I'm, stressed about maybe my work. I don't need them to come do my work. What I might need is to say, hey, I'm going to clean up the kitchen. I can tell you're stressed. Let me do this and this. I hope this helps. Which would then just kind of let me know that I just have someone in my court. Yeah. But if I were to say, just clean the dishes and I'll be fine. <laughs> That might not sound like well, the, help me the, come meet yeah, my needs. The, the I need something message isn't received. The I'm irritated message is definitely received. Right. And then, of course, if someone's constantly irritated when you're in their presence, you start to take it personal. You start to assume that something that you're doing or not doing is causing that. But when someone can be vulnerable at that moment, say, hey, listen, I've had a bad day. I'm struggling. If I'm snippy with you, it has nothing to do with you. 
it does make it okay. I'm just letting you know that like, I'm really just struggling. I need help. I just don't know how, what I should do right now. So it's really easy to kind of come in to like, try to try to, you're trying to get someone to get their empathy face on. Right. And, yeah. and so you can come in being mean or you don't care about me. You don't notice what like, I'm going through. That's really going to be the big, an important piece of this puzzle is how to actually engage some empathy from someone that you care about. When Whether you're coming in and expecting them to perceive it or you're coming in and you say, okay, I need you to know. Today's a hard day and it would really help me if you could do this and this so that I can do this and this. If you were to communicate something like that, for example, to your husband before your day gets running away from you, then when you start to feel like this, he can remember that. Or you could just say, he's like, what can I do? Uh, remember what I said earlier today? Like, it's a really hard day. stuff like that. Um, could you think of some things that you could do? What What usually calms me down when I'm pissed off? Like, you know, like, <laughs> these are the usual things. I just figure out my wife, I just start vacuuming doing dishes. Calms me down instantly. <laughs> If my wife's had a bad day, I clean now. She walks in. The first thing she sees is a clean house. She goes down a full level, like good 30% of her stress goes down. And then she vents about her day. If I don't do that, I'm the problem of her day. Right. Not because she like planned it that way, because I'm what's in the line. I mean, as I tell my wife, my only flaw is that I'm a man. <laughs> That's it. Besides that, I'm perfect. Right. Problem is the man umbrella has a lot of stuff underneath <laughs> it that she's like, why didn't you think of this? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you feed the dogs? Wait, and I'm going to take that very personal. I'm like, well, I don't know because I'm human. I make mis- I don't know what you want because I got my mom. I don't What do you want? My, my abandonment <laughs> issue? Like, what, what are we working with? Like, what, what's going to make you feel that I actually didn't do that on purpose? So I'm looking for her to give me empathy. And that empathy part that she talked about, I couldn't agree with that more because in friendships, it's the same way. Friendships and early dating, it, the courting part is really about when you're in an early friendship and when you're in a dating um, relationship, it's early. You're always trying to play this game of, will they care for me if I'm hurting in pain or if I need help? Will they have empathy, compassion, and even sympathy for me? If you're dating someone and let's say, you know, you get really passive aggressive, fine, I'm okay. And they go, okay, fine, they walk away. That's gonna infuriate you, but it's also gonna tell your brain like, if they're not gonna even check in on me, if they're not even curious about what's wrong with me and they can easily just go hang out with their friends, do their thing, leave me alone, that's gonna be a, a serious sign of that person could might easily abandon me or too quickly abandon our relationship, okay? So brain starts freaking out. That's why you get so many people f- freaked out if they feel like their partner is really just like dismissing their emotions and feelings because that's how we know if there's longevity in that relationship. Same thing with a friendship. If you're talking, if you feel like you have a good friendship with someone, let's say you hit off someone, you've only known each other a couple weeks, but you've been texting all the time, gone to lunch and hung out a couple times. If you're saying that you're struggling with something and you just put it out there to that person and that person just doesn't really even acknowledge it and says, okay, whatever, it's like that hurts because. Yes, you're struggling, but you're trying to see if you even can be vulnerable. Right. And you're going, okay, I got a better shot with landing my vulnerability with this person feeling bad for me or compassionate for me. So I'm going to put out there. If they don't pick up on it, there's a lot of reasons. Either A, they're not used to playing that role. B, you don't do it that well. 
Or three, the communication just was missed. They just didn't see that that was a big issue. Or it happened in text message. Or, and Or maybe because <laughs> your vulnerability is sarcasm. Maybe your vulnerability is self-deprecation. Maybe your maybe your vulnerability is like, well, I'm just the worst mom in the world, or maybe I'm just this. And they go, oh no, you're not. So they think you're joking and you're just self-deprecating, not realizing that there's so some sincere, genuine truth to those feelings. Because there is a lot of ways to come about trying to engage somebody's empathy, like. Yeah. But everybody plays the empathy game early on in relationships, but also when we feel like we're losing the relationship. That's why parents are legendary for with teenagers. They feel like they're moving away from them, not want to spend time with them, they start playing the guilt trip card a little bit. Well, you know, go ahead and hang out with your friends. It's, it's okay. I just, you know, I'll just be here home alone all weekend by myself. Right. Mom, I know you're going through a divorce. I know this. And like, don't feel bad. Like, mom, call your girlfriend. No, I've called my girl. It's okay. I'll just stay here and read a book. And like, <sighs> you guys, I can't hang out with my mom. I'm going to hang out with my mom and said, those work a little bit, yeah. Not what you want. Like, you can only play that card so many times because then it becomes your role that you have to play that game to get people to feel bad for you versus just saying, I feel bad. I really need your help with this one specific thing. If it's very genuine and vague, then people, then now you're sitting like, I'm going to leave little breadcrumbs and you got to guess how to make me feel like... I, 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 I'm not that bad of a person. I'm not that bad of a mom or a spouse or whatever it may be. And that's just really, a lot of people don't know. Some people like you and I were more intuitive like that. Like there's no way my kids, my wife or people, my clients can be off and me not go, doo, 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 doo. something's wrong. So right. there's a disturbance in the force. And then I use my tricks to get them to talk. Right. But I can't use my tricks on me. It doesn't work. I know my tricks. <laughs> and alicia doesn't right and alicia doesn't know. so she doesn't try to use them then i get mad they're like why don't you use all these cool tools that i use with you she's like oh i don't know i didn't i didn't listen to your podcast or that episode or whatever it may be right so that's so interesting again like i'm having all these light bulb moments and i'm even thinking like that i use different bait <laughs> with different people Oh, yeah, for sure. We all do. We all do. But what I need to really work on is just coming, you know, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is what's going on, and this is what would really help me. And also, the shorter, the better. So we've talked about this before. I've ran this this social experiment um, for years in my, my teen support groups. It has to be short and condensed. If a friend comes to you and says, like we've t we did the po a podcast about gossiping to connect. If a friend's struggling with their day and they come to you and it's like, oh, they start complaining about the manager and then you start complaining about the manager and then you guys start commiserating about like the manager, this and that. And she's like, yeah, it's like, because I'm just having a hard day and this and that and they don't even care. Then you get all stirred up with this anger towards the manager, which might even be valid. The problem with that is that if you get someone to give you attention and empathy, and give you compassion and sympathy because you have a shared struggle, it's really like a mild version of a trauma bond. Right. It's like we have the same misery together so we can like we can come together and I feel empathy and compassion. But then that person gets this habit. They always have to create an issue to draw people to give them compassion and empathy. Oh, that's interesting. And sympathy. So I know lots of people will, first time I see them, they'll just tell me, oh, did you hear about this issue? Did you hear about that? Did you hear what the government said? Did you hear what the... And everything is always 
all these horrible scare, fear, like, did you hear about all this stuff going on? And if I were to say, oh my gosh, yeah, me too, then we commiserate about them. I feel bad for them. They feel bad for me. It's a mutual exchange. And then we walk away. Problem is, we didn't talk really open about what's really bothering us. Right. We just found someone to be a partner with us in our, you know, recreational outrage of the day. Like whatever that thing was. Oh, kids never listen. I know. Then we go on an hour about our kids are so bad. We need vacations. Or we go an hour about our partners are so bad. Or our work is so bad. We just find these ways to connect with that. I always challenge people, if you really want to be vulnerable, if you really want to connect with people, you have to do like, you don't have to, but it helps if you use like some of the old school cheesy counseling techniques of like, can I tell you something that's really bothering me right now? And this thing can't be about the government, about this, that, COVID, any of those things. It's got to be like, I'm really nervous and scared about my future. Period. I feel like I don't really know who I want to be when I grow up and I'm grown up. <laughs> I don't know how to talk to my kids when I'm struggling. And so I'm kind of using you right now to practice. <laughs> like those are the most raw things, but they have to be a sentence, a period, a sentence, a period. But when we start with like, don't you hate it when this happens? Don't you hate it when that happens? Or, you know, like, oh, I'm so angry and frustrated. Venting is not being vulnerable. Interesting. They're not the same thing. Interesting. And I'm, you know, I know that. And now there's complaining. Well, I know that when I say this out loud, I know that a lot of us as parents worry about our kids' friendships. We want our kids to have good friends. We want them to be safe in their friends. Probably because most of the time we're still trying to get rid of some of our long-term friendships that they're not good for us. Like, man, don't get friends with this kid or she'll be 45 (laughs) years old, still taking their phone calls, still trying to help them out. Well, but my, and that's my point. My point is that if we're, if we're worried about our kids' friendships, then we probably have some work to do on our friendships and our relationships so that we're modeling how to be friends. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we can definitely worry regardless we're modeling or not. The difference is modeling is a verb. You're like you're, taking you're, action. You're yeah. like, okay, we're, you know, this is what you're showing with your friend. I got it. You know, give them those three principles or give them, you know, three base things like, is your friend showing compassion and empathy towards you? What are does you that mean? Are you yeah. showing compassion? Yeah. You're telling your friend what, what bothers you about what they did, but are you telling them what hurts your feelings? Because most people have heard somewhere, even if they didn't um, go to anger management like I did, um, <laughs> they heard that anger is a secondary emotion, right? And basically what that means is no one wakes up going, ah, screaming and punching the wall unless you had a bad dream. You wake up, you think about the things you can't control, then you get pissed off, right? <laughs> You're heartbroken that your life is not where you thought it'd be at the day of this time and time in history. You're like, I was supposed to be richer at this moment. I was supposed to be retired. Whatever it is, it's so easy to get caught up in that. And so being vulnerable is sometimes simply just saying like, I'm not where I want to be. I'm having a hard time with this. And then when people come to your aid and they help you, you don't, if you sit there and go, well, that's not the help I was wanting or they're not really good at it. Yeah, that kind of is not ideal. But sometimes just the gesture that they're trying is cute. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, you know, what? that didn't really help me in what they said. But just them just trying to say something, because when you see them being vulnerable, I have friends that are like, 
they're really human computers. And when they try to give me empathy and compassion, it's so adorable because it's so horrible. <laughs> but the fact that they even sit there and put their hand, I'm talking about guys like, you know, I just, I just want to tell you, like, I think, I think you're, you're, you're a good guy. Like, I'm like, I'm like, wow. I, that's like the first compliment he's probably given somebody in years because they just really struggle with that. So yeah, you're being vulnerable helps you practice it, but also invite someone else to do what they're not usually doing yeah. in the partnership and in relationships. And for the opposite person, they're probably not used to helping someone who they admire, helping someone that, that they thought kind of had it figured out. And you, mm -hmm. you see this from social media. People meet you all the time like, oh, you have the perfect life, this and that. Well, after what happened with Corey, it's like that story was gone. Right. So now you just had to own it. And then as you're owning it, everybody feels people come up to you and just dump all their, and when I was five years old, I did this and ten, they'll tell Heidi way more things they'll tell me in my first set. I got to earn it, right? <laughs> they just go, I feel like I already know. And they just, and so Heidi, you're like, okay, okay. Like you're really good at telling your story and being honest so that people will be vulnerable. And by doing that, you're doing them a favor. I mean, you're helping them by modeling, but they're also giving you a chance to help for you to help yourself, you know? Those times when you private message someone, like you say, hey, thank you. I just want to tell you privately, not on a public thing. Like, well, you said, like, I need that say I was having a hard day. I'm like, wait, you're having a hard day? I thought you just woke up and doves dress you and you have glitter <laughs> just evenly sprinkled on your shirt to look like you're crafting a little, but not too much, you know? <laughs> these are just one of those things. You're getting all these invitations to be more vulnerable. It's obvious that you're in a place where you can be more vulnerable, but now you're just seeing maybe vulnerability has some different angles to it that you just weren't really focusing on that because your goal is like, how can I take the hurt and pain from my family and better other people's lives? So you model being vulnerable and then they're vulnerable with you. It's a win-win. Mm -hmm. Well, you're modeling being vulnerable, gotten really good at that one. Now you're being being vulnerable really intimately and personally with a couple of hand select few people in your life. That's like the next frontier. Yeah. And it and it's not it's not easy. So but I think it's interesting how the universe just keeps teaching us the lessons that we need to learn. The fact that I was even sitting there. The classes are always camp. available, at least. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so, um, I don't know. I was thankful. And I think I really have appreciated the things that you've said as well. It just reminds me that I still have a lot of work to do. Well, and that more personal vulnerability is so much scarier. So a lot of people are like, no, they'll just help you be vulnerable. It's a whole lot easier than me having to like look in the mirror that long, that deep. Yeah. yeah. That's why I, said, I, I actually am not that good at that one. That was, that's not the skill I, I, that's not the tool I sharpen on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. Well, so I guess we both have some work to do. Hey, twice <laughs> a year. I, I schedule, I schedule my, my, my emotional breakdowns. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, I'm not sad that July is over. Hallelujah. On to, um, you know, weddings. And everyone's favorite Back time. To Back to school. <laughs> so we're, we're here for it, right? Yep. Well, you guys, thank you for listening to my problems today. Thank you for this Heidi's, Heidi therapy session. As Not that you're not used to it, right? Like, if we're being honest. Um. You know, friendships are hard, but they're also so important. And I often, often think what you've said, David, before, which is that you can get through anything as long as you have someone there that 
you have a real connection with, that you have real friendships, real relationships. And that is why we're here doing this podcast. Because each one of us, I like what you said, we're each kind of at a different level and a different layer of vulnerability and different needs and different understanding. And that's why there's always something for us to talk about. There's always something for us to learn. And so to each one of you who are here listening or watching or hitting up our Patreon, um, coming in on on the sessions, (laughs) um, thank you for joining us, for listening, for trying, and thank you for helping us to light the fight.